Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't. But I'm handling it, and one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, for those of you that tune in every week, you know that each episode I tend to discuss the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic with just about every guest. I'm always just so inspired to hear from people and learn about how they manage to navigate through the pandemic, especially when it comes to restaurant owners. Garrett Marrero is the CEO and founder of Maui Brewing Company, Hawaii's largest craft brewery that operates fully in-state. The brewing company is based on the island of Maui, but also has restaurants on Maui and Oahu that specialize in locally sourced, island-inspired Hawaiian cuisine. During the pandemic, not only was Maui Brewing Company impacted as a business by social distancing precautions, but it was also impacted by the lack of tourism across the state of Hawaii. So today, Garrett will be sharing more about the challenges he and Maui Brewing Company faced during the COVID-19 pandemic and what valuable lessons he managed to take away from that time. I can't wait for you to hear his story, so you know what to do, turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. All right, so Garrett Marrero, you're the co-owner of the Maui Brewing Company. Thank you so much for coming on to chat. You bet. Uh, definitely happy to be here. Well, for those who don't know, so Maui Brewing Company, would you mind introducing what the business is and I guess how you got involved in running it? Sure. Uh, well, Maui Brewing Company is kind of our core business, and that is a local craft brewery here in Hawaii, uh, obviously based on Maui. Um, Really, the, the way I got involved is uh, my ex-wife and I founded the company together back in 2005, uh, and it came from a dream that I had had prior uh, of creating authentic local Hawaiian craft beer. Um, anybody that's been to Hawaii uh, may have had other brands of Hawaiian beer, uh, much like myself prior to starting Maui Brewing, but I found that that beer was not actually made in Hawaii. So I wanted, to, I wanted to come here and make authentic Hawaiian craft beer, meaning it made in Hawaii for Hawaii. And that was the genesis of the idea uh, a little over 16 years ago. Yeah. So I guess, did you have any entrepreneurial experience before going into the business? Um, did you have a desire, a background with the brewing process? Uh, how did you get involved and inspired with it? Yeah. So uh, I grew up with good beer in the household. Uh, I was fortunate that my my grandpa would get beer from all over the world that brought to him by people he knew. And then, um, you know, my parents, we grew up in a very European household. So it's not like, you know, it's not like kids were drinking, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal if we had a sip of wine or a sip of somebody's beer or that kind of thing. And, you know, tasting and we, we were big into food and beverage in our family. So uh, I think you learn so much about culture from uh, a people's food and beverage. So I think the beer side, the wine side, actual food dishes, uh, that all kind of came together and me saying, oh, well, I want to make a local brewery. Um, Entrepreneurially, yeah. I mean, I think I started my first business when I was 11. Uh, it was Garrett's Lawn Service. I was faster, better, and cheaper. 
uh, you know, so I had, I had that hustle going uh, for a long time. And uh, yeah, I, I was an investment consultant living in San Francisco and I decided I want to do something different. And so I moved out here when I was 25, uh, 26, sorry, and started this business. So, you know, since then we've grown into a distillery, we make seltzer, we have the four restaurants. So we're really a, a full food and beverage business with quite an array of different uh, beverage alcohol and non-alcohol too. Sure. Yeah. And you're based in Maui and this is throwing me back a long, long time ago. I was in Maui once, um, I think when I was in high school, going into high school and loved it. Mm -hmm. I have, I haven't been back uh, since, but I loved it. And I guess, did you make the move to Hawaii? When did you make the move to Hawaii? So I moved here in December of 04. um, And that was already with the vision that we're going to be opening Maui Brewing. So it was kind of sell everything. We're moving, we're doing this. Uh, So we actually opened January of 05. So a little under a month later after landing here, uh, sorry, a little over a month later after landing here, we, we moved, we, we were open for business our first day. Uh, and the way we did that was we took over what was really at that point, just coming out of bankruptcy, a mishmash of a brew pub with five different partners trying to do five different things. And we just cleared all that out and simplified the vision and created the name Maui Brewing Company. Uh, it was called something different before and it was very confusing and it was, you know, I, I remember reading a review once and the, the, the journalist had said, when that place figures out what it wants to be, it's going to be great. And I had <laughs> figured out what it should be. So when I came in, I did that. And, you know, we've grown into, you know, not only Hawaii's largest, but also Hawaii's most sustainable craft brewery. And as part of that, of course, grew the different beverages that we make as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, with Hawaii, I mean, did you feel that there, I guess the market, the industry was something missing that you think um, Maui Brewing Company was needed? Absolutely. Uh, Authenticity. I I think Hawaii, anybody who's visited here, uh, I think rightfully so. The culture is extremely proud. Uh, It's a very special place spiritually as well. And Hawaii didn't have its own beer. Uh, Since Primo left in the 70s, beer hadn't really been made in Hawaii and certainly not distributed. So what people were drinking as quote, the local beer uh, was made in Mm -hmm. Portland, Oregon or Woodenville, Washington or anywhere but here. And even still today, and of course, you know, don't need to hide it because it's public information, but Kona Brewing Company is, is a Budweiser company where they're making the vast majority of their beer in Fort Collins at a Bud plant and shipping it over under the name Kona Brewing Company. So yeah, I think honesty, integrity, a sense of place, and certainly authenticity was missing in beer. Um, And I think in our country, beer is such an important thing. I think Frank Zappa said, in order to be a real country, you have to have a beer, an airline, and a football team, or a sports team, something along those lines. And, you know, we have Hawaiian Airlines, we've got the Rainbow Warriors, but we didn't have an authentic beer. So I wanted to bring that beer here. And... uh, really just to kind of do something different from, you know, from what was being done and instead of lying to people about what beer is, you know, or where it's from. Right. Well, and you brought up before sustainability, which I think is so important with any business, but would you mind explaining why sustainability is so important in something like brewing? Sure. Uh, 
you know, sustainability is important in, I think, all aspects of life. Uh, I think it's our job. It, we should be uh, as responsible as possible in, you know, utilizing resources and in our impacts to the world. And that's not just the environment, but that's our communities, our people, uh, everything. So sustainability is a very broad topic for us. It's not just, hey, we've got solar panels, so we're sustainable. Uh, but in the brewing world in particular, we use a lot of energy, uh, pumps, motors, uh, boilers use a lot of gas. Uh, you have uh, a lot of chillers, right, to keep things cold. Everybody wants, nobody wants warm beer, right? You got to control fermentation right. temperatures. You need chillers. They use a lot of electricity. So because of our huge demand on utilities, we wanted to make sure that we are generating as much of those from sustainable resources as possible. Um, you know, and, and another factor too is, of course, making our beer in Hawaii. We sell 80% or so of our beer in Hawaii. So you're talking a, a huge amount of beer that doesn't have to get shipped across the water to be sold here in the state. So even that in itself of just producing here reduces the carbon footprint of our beer. So uh, we have from the beginning invested in sustainability. Uh, admittedly, in the early years, it was water saving faucets. It was tightening a nut on a faucet to make sure it didn't leak. It was CFL mm. or compact fluorescent lights used to be, you know, the, the way to save energy and then move to LED. Right. And we grew that as we were more profitable, we were able to invest in things like solar PV, solar thermal, solar chilling capabilities, uh, you know, high efficiency, everything. So that's been our kind of our goal for the last 16 years. And this past year we went nearly grid independent. So, um, I'd say that's why it's important in the industry. Another reason it was important to us uh, was controlling costs. Because in Hawaii, we have some of the highest costs of operation and certainly highest cost of utilities of anywhere else in the world, uh, let alone our country. So being able to produce with sun energy in most cases, that, that's huge. And when COVID hit, we were really, really, help, really helped out by not having huge electric bills every month. Right. Well, and then with, you know, COVID and the pandemic um, and, you know, you brought up how important the state of Hawaii is to your business. Mm -hmm. uh, the community aspect, because you locally source and because, you know, you said 80% of your market are Hawaiians, our tourists is coming from out of Hawaii. So how important was that community during this whole pandemic? Uh, it was a huge part of it. You know, we, we learned a lot actually, because for the better part of a year, we didn't have tourism here. You know, we, were, we went from, I think 35,000 roughly people per day coming to the state of Hawaii in 2019 to 2020, it came to a screech. It was first two months were like records and then came to a screeching halt and we would see two or 300 people a day coming into the state. Most of those were specialized workers, medical workers, and even in that count were the flight attendants, pilots, and returning residents. So you could effectively call tourism zero over the summer, uh, especially. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, knowing that, that most of our market was gone or what we thought was our market, we were like, well, who's gonna drink all this beer? And uh, where we thought all the, our, our residents here were drinking a ton of Bikini Blonde, we actually found out I think their favorite beer is Big Swell IPA because we were down tremendously in Bikini Blonde Lager. And it turns out tourists really love Bikini Blonde Lager more so, I think, than even the, the residents. So, you know, little factoids like that that came out of it. Uh, but I would say ultimately, uh, and, 
I think the our, our local population here, our residents, our Kama'aina, as we say, uh, they're the reason we've been able to stay successful throughout this because without their support, we wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have survived as well as we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, you also have a you know Maui Brewing Company is also a restaurant. You have uh, you know several different restaurants within the company. What were the challenges you faced with that alone too? I mean, you you know you're making a product, but then you also have you know, several different restaurants and you're working to, to serve people and also abide by the precautions. Mm-hmm. Um, what were challenges you faced with that? Yeah. So we have four different locations, four restaurants, our original one in Kahana, the one here at Kihei at the production brewery. Uh, and then we have two over on Oahu. So Waikiki and Kailua. Um, every Island handled the pandemic differently. So the restrictions were different one day to the next on both islands that we were primarily concerned about, of course, with the, from a restaurant perspective, so what you could do at one didn't necessarily mean you could do it at another. And then beyond the restrictions, we have different formats at our four different restaurants. They're not all built the same. They're not all laid out the same, of course. And we want them to be their own personality, of course. So, you know, it, it certainly was challenging for the management team. I think the, the biggest change and probably the hardest day of it all was, I believe it was March 19 when, you know, we had to lay off, you know, over 600 people in our company. Um, you know, and everybody says, oh, we, you know, laid off 600 employees. It was, we lost family members. We lost teammates. You know, that's the way we look at it, not an employee level. And I feel especially hard, uh, bad for uh, my partner, Chris Tebow, who's the president of our restaurant division, because he and his team had to do the vast majority of that. Um, that, had to, that was a really tough day. And uh, we've since been able to hire many back, but fractional compared to what we had prior. Um, because we were growing so well and we had opened, you know, we had our original location, but we opened three restaurants in the prior, I think roughly four years to the pandemic. So it was like pretty much one a year was opening and that's huge on a capital draw, trying to just grow those restaurants to make them pay for themselves. And we were just getting to that point and then we had to close down. So I guess in short, on Maui, we had less restrictions than we had on Oahu initially uh, that has now flipped. But in Maui, we were open at least for takeout in both our locations. Usually somewhere in June, July, I think we reopened takeout. And then we opened, as soon as Maui let us, uh, late July, I think it was, we opened full bore to, uh, to the public for dine-in, but of course, very restricted capacity. But on Oahu, our locations mm-hmm. didn't open really until October. I think Waikiki opened in November. So you got to imagine, you know, a solid eight months of closure, you know, while you're just racking up monthly lease payments and, you know, carrying costs. So it was tough, really tough, right. but we'll survive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. definitely. I mean, that's the thing I, I've seen a lot, you know, being in New York for a good majority of the pandemic mm-hmm. um, during the really harder months and seeing the amount of restaurants that have had to close um, that had you know, several different layoffs throughout the year. Um, It's really hard, but you, but you do see a lot of restaurants that are resilient and a lot of teams that are resilient with it. So um, at least that's very optimistic. Uh, But with the brewing making process. So I'm curious because we had um, a representative from Teeling Whiskey on a couple weeks ago and he was discussing the whiskey making process with brewing your beers 
I'm very much a beginner when it comes to all of that. So how much staff are you talking? Um, what's all required? Could you sort of walk us through the process, if you will, um, how long it takes to make the beverages and um, what kinds of different uh, drafts you have, mm-hmm. uh, products you, you're working to create? Yeah, I think, uh, like I said, Maui Brewing Company at our core is craft brewery, right? So we make our beer. Um, Outside of that, I kind of think on the left side, we have our distillery, which is our uh, what we call Kupu Spirits. And that's where we make our gin, our whiskey, our canned cocktails. And then we have on the other side, we have Maui Hard Seltzer. And Maui Hard Seltzer is, of course, our seltzer line. Uh, now they're all under the umbrella of what we call the brand Ohana. So the family of brands, if you will. Uh, Ohana means more than just family, but you know, it's a simple way of, of describing it. Um, you know, essentially, you know, that brand Ohana that has these multiple beverages, each one's different and has its own nuances, right? But to, to think about it for even in the whiskey world, you have to make beer before you can make whiskey, right? They even call the wash mm-hmm. beer. It's just unhopped beer uh, that they use to make whiskey. And so we're very familiar because we have those two sides of it. But, you know, in an organization that prior to pandemic had approximately 700 teammates, uh, we dropped to, I think at one point, our lowest was probably somewhere around 55 or 60. And that was primarily uh, about 40 of those are the brewing operations. And um, that's where all beverages are made. So uh, like I said, we do some non-alc too. So we have our island sodas, which are root beer and ginger beer primarily. Um, you know, but really the vast majority of our product is beer or beverage line. And that, I think we ended up at around 30, I want to say 38 people There's some, somewhere along those lines. Um, now in any given year, we produce probably 60 or 70 different beers. Uh, we constantly, mm-hmm. I mean, if you go to a brewery in Pennsylvania, you go to like the church brewery, you know, could, uh, Sean Casey, for example, he's a great guy. He's on the board with me. Um, he, you know, they make a ton of different beers and they're constantly rotating and it's fun to try the new beer. We do the same thing. Although we have usually eight core beers that are in cans and on draft and those rotate about six yeah, we do about eight rotations throughout the year with those, but the rest are just completely whimsical and it can take anywhere from 12 days to a year to make one of those beers and everything from, you know, maybe 12 days on a fruit wheat beer all the way to a year on a barrel aged imperial stout blended with barley wine and scotch ale aged in bourbon barrels, you know, which is something we're doing literally right now. So those are the types of things that we do. And, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of different time. Um, If I may though, uh, the whiskey side, really interesting to me too, because, you know, we were sitting on, we're we're in a position here where we have to ship in so much in order to make our beer, right? So our malted barley, for example, much of it comes from Europe. So we have at any given moment, 12 to 14 different container loads of grain, either leaving the factory or the plant, I should say, or arriving at the port here. There's somewhere between that, right? So you can imagine pretty much one container a week, at least has to be moving here, right? So actually more than that, but a lot of shipping, right? So when it gets here, it's ours. Like we can't stop the boat and say, send it back, right? So we had hundreds of thousands of pounds of ingredients sitting around that we didn't have the demand to make the beer. So 
you know, when they say, you know, when you make, uh, make lemonade out of lemons, we, we made whiskey out of malted barley because we couldn't make the beer and sell it as beer. So we're like, you know what, let's just fill oak barrels of whiskey. And in two, three, four, five years from now, that whiskey will pay its dividends instead of just dumping all that malted barley. So we were really fortunate that we had the distillery enable to pivot our production over into things that need time in barrel to rest. So it was kind of was one of one of the many things we did as our as our pivots, if you will. I'm so sick of the pivot word, but sure. it's what we did pivot constantly. Yeah, everybody's got to, you know, make some changes and, and get crafty and creative. Mm-hmm. I keep saying like everybody's taking this time to really uh, think of new ideas. So with that said, has there been any other do you have any new releases coming out? Um, anything people can be expecting? Yeah, May, April and May, we have two tickets to Paradise coming out, which was one of our fan favorites. Uh, that was a beer we collaborated with our friends over at um, Crooked State Brewing out of Colorado. So that one is a hibiscus, mm-hmm. uh, what's a kettle sour saison that we use hibiscus and lime in. So it's a sour beer, a tart beer, a oh, wow. uh, little uh-huh. under 4% alcohol, but really big flavor from both the lime and the hibiscus and the sour culture. So we're super stoked on that one. Um, and then we have uh, Pono Life. Uh, Pono Life, and oddly, both our releases that quarter are uh, collaborations. But Pono Life mm-hmm. is a, a, redo, a reboot from last year that we didn't really get to launch because COVID. Um, and that's with our friends at Roadhouse Brewery out of uh, Wyoming, out of Jackson, where I'm heading next week. And Pono Life is a hazy IPA brewed with a boatload of uh, Lilikoi or passion fruit. So it's a nice sweet tart wow. IPA. Yeah. Those sound fantastic. They are. And Super I guess, tasty beverages. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> perfect for the spring and summer coming up. Yeah. So that's great. Well, and, and for whiskey lovers too, since uh, again, you know, I think uh, I have a good friend who uh, once told me, he says, Well, whiskey is what beer wants to be when it grows up. And it's kind of true <laughs> in some ways. So I think all brewers drink whiskey at some level. And so we have our first aged release of whiskey coming out. Uh, we had started the distillery prior to all the whole COVID, COVID stuff, of course. Uh, so we had barrels laying down already, uh, but we just literally are emptying barrels now to fill bottles and have our first brown spirit or aged whiskey release. Uh, up until now, it's just been white whiskey. So we're really excited to release That's that great. as well. Yeah. Definitely. Well, and then I guess for anyone who isn't in Hawaii, um, someone like me who wishes I could just hop myself there tomorrow, um, where can people find your products Mm -hmm. and can you buy stuff online? Um, What's available? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, So a couple of things. So we do distribute uh, across the country. We're in about 20 states and we do reach out to the East Coast, but COVID certainly put a damper on what uh, our distributing partners wanted to bring in because once they bring it in, if it sits in inventory and say a keg doesn't sell because restaurants are closed, they have to eat the cost of that keg, which we end up eating a little bit of it as in celebration of partnership, if you will. So a lot of them really whittled down inventory. So we're just really starting to fill those pipelines again. Uh, But I think on the East Coast, you know, certainly Florida, uh, Massachusetts, uh, probably Massachusetts is one of our larger markets on the East Coast, and our, our friends at Atlantic uh, Beverage are distributors there. But you can get on our lo- on our website, and you can see our beer finder. And we also have the same mm-hmm. on the Maui Hard Seltzer website, and I believe on Kupu Spirits as well. So um, you know, so we can 
we can get in touch with someone if they say, oh, I'm in Colorado, where can I find your beer? If they don't find it online, we'll, we'll help out with that. Um, the spirits and salts, spirits specifically, are just starting to roll out to the mainland. So they're going to be going to more places. We are legally not allowed to ship direct to consumer, what they call DTC. And we have a bill in front of the legislature this year to try and allow that. Uh, but only a handful of states actually allow beer to be shipped in. Almost every state allows wine. So I would challenge your listeners to ask that question of their legislators. Why can I buy wine from anywhere, but I can't buy my favorite beer from anywhere? Uh, you know, I think if anything, that is just um, a travesty right now when, like you said, you can't come to Hawaii right now very easily. Uh, you can come, but you need the test and all that stuff. But you might feel safer at right. home, but you want to have an experience with a Maui beer. I can't send it to you. And, you know, but you can order the wine from the winery. So it's a little unfair that there's no parity there. So I think it's stifling economic development, especially right now, when we need to be reaching more customers, not less. They were, the government's already taken care of having less customers for us. So we need access to more markets. Yeah, that's really interesting. And something I, I guess I never really thought about, um, you know, the inequality, I guess, between wine, <laughs> wineries and brewers and all, all of that. Mm. But um, with, you know, things reopening and uh, restaurants reopening, stuff sort of getting back to somewhat of a, a normalcy. Mm -hmm. um, how is it having, you know, customers back, uh, getting back into the swing of things, uh, everything opening up? How has that been for you and the business? Yeah, it's been... Um it's been good. I think our team is handling it in good order. I think the, the biggest challenge has been just how do you staff, right? Because you have, you're used to, you know, needing X number of people every day. And you think like, oh, I've got this under control. You know, I, I need, I need to staff for this many people. Well, the next day it could be totally different because either a restriction gets lifted or a restriction gets implemented. So that's certainly been a challenge. Um, most guests, I should say, have been extremely tolerant, understanding, just happy to be in Hawaii in the safest place in our country right now, um, you know, outside drinking a beer. So we've had very few that are like, oh, the service was slow. I'm sorry, we didn't expect 300 people today. And we're working with a limited capacity, limited staff, you know, these types of things. So I would just say if anybody's going out to eat right now, make sure you're understanding of the situations that all of us are in and um, try to put yourself in our shoes of trying to staff for something. You never know what it's going to be like from one day to the next right. and tip your servers. They, they really need that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. I know. I, I would have thought like patience is the one thing everyone would have sort of learned throughout this whole pandemic, yeah. but <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. Many did, but I, um, I think a, a, some went the other way where they're just, and, it, and it's maybe not even be their normal nature but I think they're just so excited to finally be somewhere right. eating and drinking. And they're like, maybe, you know, they build it up in their minds and it ends up being like, I'm sorry, we only have one page of this menu today because, you know, the, the fisherman was sick and, or, you know, the, the, like in Texas, look at all the storms they had, you know, they ran out of gas, they ran all kinds of stuff. So they couldn't get fish delivery. So you were out of sushi, you know, it's like certainly first world problems. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think ultimately, I think the sense of community was really alive, especially here in Hawaii. And so I think our guests uh, and our residents, you know, really are uh, top notch. So. 
Definitely. Well, I mean, that's pretty much the big thing with restaurants right now. Community is so important with any sort of business, but especially, you know, restaurants and, and, you know, keeping everything afloat and, and running. Um, it's, I, I keep saying, I can't stress it enough to shop local and, um, yeah, just check out your local businesses and support as much as you can. And that's been, you know, my rally cry from the beginning, you know, as a 26 year old guy starting a brewery, I was like, why, why is this fake local beer everywhere? And it's obviously because it was backed by Budweiser. And, you know, I think when people want to support local, it's important that they dive maybe just a little deeper than the name on the package, you know, and I think that's important because the information's out there for anybody who really wants to know. So when you're supporting local, just make sure it's local, you know, and that it's, it's, uh, it's authentic. That's important because that's the only way that money gets back to that community. Um, You know, I would add too that we, we fully believe that, um, just because it's local doesn't make it good. So I think that pushes the, I think local producers should not expect support if they're not putting out the best possible products that they can. So it's incumbent upon us as craft producers, as local businesses to do a good job for our customers, but it's also our job to do it with integrity as much as the consumer needs to ask for that and demand it. So it is a, it's a symbiotic relationship if we really want to talk about local. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love shopping local and and supporting local businesses is the individuality and, you know, each business and the character within that. Um, I think it's really amazing. And there's just so much effort that goes into everything. You know, I think everybody's really hustling this past year. Everybody's trying to, you know, shift their schedules and shift what normally used to work and develop a whole new system. And I just know everybody's really, really hustling. So I have major respect for that. Um, And I guess, you know, before we wrap, I I always like to conclude with asking with this being handling it, has there been a piece of advice or a lesson you've learned throughout this whole experience or whether it be, you know, the past year, as a business owner and, you know, co-founding your business, um, has there been something that you've learned that's really helped you handle your life? Uh, yeah, I think uh, certainly this year has given more perspective. Uh, you know, I, unfortunately this past year, it almost was this everything all at once. It wasn't just COVID, I, you know, separated from my wife of 16 years and, you know, she's still my friend and, uh, you know, so I'm blessed with that. But I think gaining perspective really started to make me think about, you know, what really is important, right? And try to put, mm-hmm. try to really focus on those things. And ultimately that's my team. It's, and my team over profit for sure. But how to, you know, how to make the business work together with you know, achieving goals for our team because our goals for the team also achieve goals for us personally. So I think that's something that uh, I found, but ultimately too, I just, I, I found out even more so that I'm a fighter uh, and that as a business owner, you just, you can't take no, you got to fight for what's yours and for your position. Um, you know, and don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call your legislators because uh, I'm, it's shocking how disconnected they are most of the time from anything that's happening. So I think in some parts, they rely on us as business owners to pick up the phone and let them know, hey, all this is broken and here's an idea to fix it. 
so we've got mm-hmm. probably a dozen bills that we're tracking or some that we've written legislature to help to reform how Hawaii does business. Um, so I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is uh, just never give up. Right. Yeah, never give up. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, take action. Like you said, I think that was the one thing with New York. I know a lot of, um, restaurants, even restaurants that I follow on Instagram that I love, like neighborhood favorites. Um, I know so many of them were, you know, just very upset how things were playing out with the COVID restrictions and what that meant for how they're able to serve their customers on the daily. So I think with that said, um, and like you said, take action and um, especially for customers too, um, you know, for anyone listening, Um, If you're upset about something that's going on right now, you know, take action, make a phone call, write a letter. There's so much you can do. We have the time to do it. There's not a ton going on. You know, we have the time to, to do those things. Absolutely. We need that because most people are silent until something sucks. Right. So, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. trust me, one of my, uh, you know, lovely managers here, she is not a communist because she told you to put on a mask. She's doing her job because that's what's being requested us by us or from the lawmakers so that we're allowed to exist right. and provide employment and food and beer for you. So that doesn't make her a communist, just makes her doing her job. <laughs> so we would appreciate that patience. We don't get a lot of that, but we do get some. Uh, but if they, uh, I don't love the whole situation either, but I comply because it's how I can stay open. So, you know, voice mm-hmm. that opinion though to the legislators, to the policymakers, those are the ones who are gonna listen right? Because they can actually make a difference in that. We have to do with, we have to operate within the laws that we're allowed to operate under, Um, you know, especially a liquor license business that is literally under the thumb of every state and county official in in your area. So in Pennsylvania, as you know, has some really unique liquor laws. um, Oh yeah. Much much like Hawaii. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's having that mutual respect, I think. And that's hopefully a lesson that others are learning throughout this whole pandemic. Um, it's one that I've learned. So um, yeah, I, I'm wishing you guys the best of luck with everything going forward. And you. as you create all this new stuff, the diving into whiskey, I think that's so incredible. And, um, you know, working on all these different projects is great. Yeah, we're super stoked on it. I'm, I'm blessed with a great team. Uh, you know, I have, again, I think every year I probably say I have the best team uh, now ever. And, uh, you know, the, the team that stuck with us through COVID and we were able to keep on, especially, uh, we miss our fallen comrades, if you will. They're still, they're out in public. They're just not with us anymore. Uh, you know, certainly we miss them, but we've found uh, efficiency. We've found accountability. We really pulled together. Um, you know, everybody really did come together, not only internally, but as a community to really push through on this in, in Hawaii. So, um, you know, with that, I'm just super proud of my team and thankful I live in such a, a beautiful place that uh, has a real sense of community still alive. So I, I hope Definitely. more of that spreads. Definitely. And yeah. And where can, lastly, where can people find you follow along with your journey sure. as a business? Yeah. And I forgot to mention too, we can't ship direct, but there are people uh, are our businesses in different states that are allowed to ship. So we have a list of those, I believe on our website, and we can always share that with any guests as well. Um, and then for us, we have a few social media handles. Of course, our primary is at Maui Brewing Company or at Maui Brewing Co. CO, uh, and that's M-A-U-I Brewing. CO um, at Maui Hard Seltzer 
simple one. And then at Kupu Spirits is our distillery. So K-U-P-U Spirits. And the Kupu is essentially an offshoot or a new growth from an existing base. That's what Kupu means. Uh, and it's nurtured by the base while it grows. And that Kupu is our distillery. It's growing out from the brewery, uh, which is giving it its support as it becomes its own thing. So uh, a little touch point back to the brand family, Brand Ohana. Yeah, well, isn't that poetic? Yeah. I love that. Sure. <laughs> well, awesome. I will be linking all of that in the episode description cool. so people can go check it out, learn more about the company and everything you're going to you know, continue to do. Absolutely. So thank you so much for coming on. We'll have to remedy your uh, you know, not being in Hawaii for the last I don't know how many years, but uh, we'll look forward yeah. to having you here. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much. And you can come now. And yes, It's just a test. It's I, all you need. As of April 5th, even Kauai you know, is opening. So I have vacation days to use. Yeah. So who knows? Um, I, I'd love to get, oh, I had the best time when I was in Maui. I did the whole road to Hana. I remember a lot of the trip, um, but definitely would love to go back, obviously. Yeah, and it'd be great to link um, to uh, some of that in the story. So that way uh, your guests, your, your listeners know uh, that Hawaii is open, um, unrestricted as long as you have uh, a negative test. And there's details on the websites uh, for Hawaii on that. But we'd love to see you guys here yeah. for a beer. Put it that way. Thank you so much, Garrett. I really appreciate yeah, it. Great to be here with you. And uh, like I said, we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed hearing from Garrett and learning about Maui Brewing Company. With vaccines now reaching the country far and wide and tourism increasing as we approach the summer months, if you or someone you know finds themselves in Hawaii, be sure to grab a drink and a bite to eat at Maui Brewing Company. Thank you to Garrett so much for coming on and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast, and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.